we have to talk about your big statement that you're making with that t-shirt <laughs> do we talk about it now or <laughs> towards the end spoiler alert um listeners superman's in the movie <laughs> yeah let's just go right out there with it let's just talk about superman forget blackhead let's just talk about <laughs> superman no it's um i mean it's a secret that's not kept so well it's a secret that's not a very well kept secret yeah it's been in the rumor mills for a long time it's almost as bad as um how well clark Kent can keep a secret from him being superman no I'm <laughs> almost maybe it depends on the iteration that you're reading or watching um how are you abby i'm good i'm good how are you i am fantastic had um some plans this weekend well i didn't really have a lot of plans i just really had to consult my partner first before we just before i decide you know because i'm always thinking about the two of us (laughs) what we're doing together however you know um um if it's not we stuff then it's just me and the podcast (laughs) sounds good i mean it's it's a pretty good life for me i'm pretty happy about it get to talk about the things that i love to talk about and inviting people like yourself that are very passionate and driven to talk about movies and tv series i'm happy to be here thanks for inviting me hey tell me how did you i mean this is probably going to be a really long conversation but maybe give me the the footnotes is it footnotes or just give me the the three point three bullet point statement of how you got into film and television like like where did this all come from i mean i know it's a big question and it probably requires like it a really is episode to cover but you know just give me the elevator pitch of how you why are you so passionate about movies and tv series i guess i've um always been into fantasy and escaping reality from a young age i've always been into superman and superheroes since i was like three so i guess i just kept it going now was superman your first am, am he i was right? and i know that sounds kind of weird <laughs> yeah he was my first that's not weird Stu- no, in, in another context oh. <laughs> <laughs> was superman your first date wow i'm i'm jealous i wish superman was my first date no but hey i, I don't know if you know this about me but superman is my favorite superhero of all time wow well done <laughs> we're in the same boat <laughs> well done to you yeah. <laughs> well done for loving superman no superman has always been a big part of my life in some way in some kind of ambiguous retrospective way um but also in a very obvious and a very real way for me mm-hmm. an example is the virtues that superman stands for is something that i relate to that i'm inspired by that in some kind of strange way i model my life around that right well did you know that superman is kind of like an archetype of jesus and moses yeah i mean that's very obvious yeah i think so um a lot of people say that like if you follow superman's values you're basically following jesus's yeah you're following sort of the the uh what what do you call it the um judeo-christian values yeah that's kind of the scope that jerry siegel and joe Shuster. shuster yeah Actually, I don't even know that to be true. Well, they were Jewish, and they initially modeled him after Moses, apparently. Oh, Um, I guess Moses falls under the Jesus umbrella. Yeah, I guess so. He's like a precursor. They were Jewish. 
Yeah. Oh, interesting. And that was actually before World War Two as well. So Jews yeah. weren't very rich then. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Jewish people now are like rolling up in Mercedes Benz and Lamborghinis and all this kind of talk about old money underneath their pillow mattress. Yeah. Am I talking about an old time or am I right? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, let's give the listeners what they're here for. The Black Adam review and recap. Um, maybe I might start with just getting your first impression, Abi. What did you think of Black Adam? It was a really mixed bag for me. There were some moments which really had me um, welling up in excitement and like cheering almost. The action was brutal and magnificent, but the storyline, the dialogue, and some of the acting didn't really land for me. Are you saying that the kid was doing a terrible job? Because I think he was the biggest highlight of the movie. Well, I didn't, but <laughs> how did you know that I thought that? There must have been something there. He <laughs> was amazing. I really hope he gets the Child Actor Award. He was okay, but um, I think they overused him a bit to the detriment of other people in the movie. No, I actually think he's the worst part of the movie. But anyway, this is not my impression. Go on, you go. No, no, that's uh, pretty much covered my point. All right, cool. Thanks for coming today. I appreciate you being on the show. <laughs> there you go. Oh, uh, wow. Well, hmm. I I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Um, and I, I think I got what I wanted in this movie, which is entertainment, action-packed, a big, big, brutal, or some big, brutal fight scenes. That's exactly what I want from a Black Adam character. Um, it's... It's attempts to be comedic and funny didn't land every single time, but I still wanted to just laugh anyway because whatever this this movie feels like it's not taking itself too seriously, which is a little bit misleading maybe from the trailer. The trailer, I got this impression that this movie is going to be like dark and sinister and mm. you know um, have elements of comedic relief, but it really wasn't that right. This movie was. The elements that were dark were really just Black Adam being stoic and um, a little bit bland at some points. But he he is the only thing that kind of embodies the darkness, I I, I think. But the whole movie is kind of fun and it's it's very lighthearted, you know, and enjoyable. I mean, I, yeah, I enjoy it. I agree. Myself. Overall, I, I give it a positive score for sure. Hmm. I, I would do the same as well. If someone said, hey, do you want to go see Black Adam tomorrow? I'd be like, yeah, sweet. Yeah. Let's go, let's go do it. I'd go again. So that's kind of a good sign then that it's somewhat positive. But then again, positive. we're a very, we're a very um, you know, niche target market. Yeah. Like the general population. Well, the general population is quite vocal. Let's say the general population, um, according to Rotten Tomatoes, the oh, audience... Yeah, the audience rating is 88 currently as of today's recording, which is the 22nd of October, two days after its release date on the 20th of October. And this is a worldwide release as well. But the critics, however, are pretty much stabbing this, like beating this movie down. But that's kind of par for the course with the critics. Uh-huh. You don't, I don't really trust them anymore. <laughs> like they, they give crap. Uh, movies really good reviews and good movies bad reviews so you're right it's very hard to take um or trust critics in in their sort of perspective and point of view 
And I actually stopped reading critic reviews over a very long time ago. Maybe that's also due to the rise of YouTube and self-proclaimed um, movie reviewers <clears throat> like the Legit Cool Podcast. <laughs> mm. You know, there's the internet has given us so many more opportunities to explore a vast amount of perspectives. And um, I don't want to use the word fair opinions. Yeah, some of them can be fair. Some of them can be maybe unfair. But just the opportunity to share an opinion online about films and have a sense of due respect for it especially if you if you put out a lot of content whether it be in a podcast format or a YouTube format and it's um there's kind of a nice little respect from the internet community which is quite nice mm. and so people sort of less and less listen to critics however what the critics are saying they say that black adam may end up pointing the way to an exciting future for dc films so that's a good thing you mm. know there's something positive that comes out of this is the consensus by the way but as a standalone experience, it's a widely, wildly uneven letdown. I would actually have to agree with this consensus. It's probably not the best consensus, to be honest, because, I mean, how does Rotten Tomatoes come up with a consensus of, like, 100, maybe 200 plus reviews? How do they even do that? Yeah. It's a bit of a mystery. I, I agree with <laughs> I agree with the sentiment as well. It was a bit of a overall letdown, but it did have some really striking highlights. Exactly, exactly. So Black Adam is directed by a guy called, I don't know how to pronounce his name, John Colette Sarah. I've never heard of this guy. I wouldn't be surprised if this is his very first movie because it feels like a debut-esque type film, if that makes sense. I think he's done a few other things with um, The Rock, actually. I think Welcome to the Jungle or something. Oh. I'm not sure. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that movie's not doesn't have it, it's not known for its um strong narrative or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> he could have done better. Yeah, he could have done better. It's interesting that they got this director to do Black Adam. I mean, this sounds like very much a rock centric decision, and it mm. seems like the whole project of Black Adam has been pretty much from the heavy influence and handprint of. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, right? Yeah. I mean, all the stories I've heard, all the news articles, um, the producing critics, how long he's been pushing to get this project done, completed, mm. and shown to the rest of the world. I mean, this guy, and, and I think this is why I also, in hindsight, not in hindsight, but subconsciously, I'm sort of thinking that a part of my part of my opinion about this film is really garnered by understanding how hard The Rock had to work to get this film off the ground. Yeah, and it props for that. Yeah, and that's just, like, no one can do that um, if, if, unless you're The Rock, right? The Rock yeah. is the only kind of guy that can do something yeah. like this. Especially with what he accomplished at the end. <laughs> mm. I mean, he moved mountains. Even more so, he moved planets to mm. get this done. So a huge kudos Huge credit to Mr. The Rock, and I'm glad that he is responsible for this, and I'm glad that he is Black Adam, and um, I hope to see more of him for sure. Um, writers of Black Adam, never heard of these people either. Ugh, sorry, I haven't done my research properly, but <laughs> Adam Stitzkiel, Roy Rory Hines, Sorab Nashirvani. Man, these names are so hard to pronounce. Mm -hmm. Who are these people? <laughs> no idea. 
Um, Black Adam stars Dwayne The Rock Johnson, obviously as Black Adam slash Teth Adam. This is actually what I like about the movie, by the way. I love that they called him Teth Adam, Mm -hmm. and he wasn't called Black Adam. At the the beginning, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Aldous Hodge, who plays Hawkman, a.k.a. Carter Hall. Noah Centineo, who plays Adam Smasher. Have you seen Noah Centineo? Yeah, he's been in a bunch of rom-coms. Oh, he seems like a rom-com kind of guy. Yeah. We have Sarah Shahi, who plays Adriana Thomas Isis. Isis, really? <laughs> I didn't even know that's her name in the film. Um, Marwan Kenzari, who plays um, Ishmael Sabak and King Akton. We have Quintessa Swindell, who plays Cyclone, a.k.a. Uh, Maxine Hunkel. I feel like I should be saying Maxine Un- uh, Hunkel, a.k.a. Cyclone. I feel like I should be <laughs> yeah. saying that. Anyway, I'm changing it up. Uh, we have Mohammed Amer, who plays Karim. Um, I like that character, by the way. He's, he's quite fun. Mm-hmm. Body uh, Sabog- Sabongui, who plays Amon. Pierce Brosnan, the Mr. King Pierce Brosnan, playing uh, Dr. Fate Kent Nelson. And then we have Viola Davis, who pretty much makes a cameo appearance as Amanda Waller. Um, so we've, we've spoken a little bit about impressions. Um, I think we're going to save key highlights, low highlights, and performances over what direction towards the end of the recap. So mm-hmm. why don't we jump into the recap? This is going to help jog our memory a little bit more. For the listener, if you haven't heard any of the podcast episodes from us um, and understand the format, basically what we do is we review the film in, in sort of a perspective of walking through the entire plot of the film. And this is going to help pinpoint certain elements, things that we might forget, um, and also things that we might have strong opinions about and may sway our opinions in a different direction. That's the benefit of walking through the plot. And it's also just fun, fun way to talk about a film. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our most constructive way of doing it. And, um, yeah, this is just a fun way of talking about a film. So let's get into... The recap. Um, so we start off in 2600 BC. I don't know why that went again. <laughs> cool sound though. Yeah. Cool sound. Um, we start in 2600 BC. The tyrannical king of Kandak. Funny thing is like when they say Kandak, I'm sort of thinking, I've never heard of that country before. Yeah, maybe because it's not real. <laughs> Did you think that, or was was I the only fool in the audience that thought that? Well, I, I've been familiar with it for a long time, so. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you know the story of Black yeah. Adam? Yeah. Oh. Well, through, through like Justice League and Shazam and Injustice and all that. Okay, so Kandak is a place in the comics as well. It's not something they made up for the film, but it's, it's in it's the, comics. the comics. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Arnott created the crown Sabak known to give the wearer great power. After attempting a stage of revolt, a young slave boy is given the power of Shazam, transforming him into Kandak's heroic champion, Teth Adam. He kills Arnott and ends his reign. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this whole opening sequence. First thing I want to say, I hate exposition dialogue like this. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. As soon as he started speaking, I was like, oh, no, they're actually just going to explain everything. 
is they're going to explain the entire backstory of Black Adam through exposition. monologue. Yeah, yeah, monologue, expositionary monologue, and I just uh, it yeah, irks it me. It irks me. I mean, you spend how long did we spend in this place? I have a minutes? feeling. I have a feeling they shot way too much of the movie, and they had to cut it down, and then they had to substitute in the narration to cover for it. Because if you noticed in the trailer, they had some extra footage which wasn't in the movie, like when he knocks the jets out of the sky. Okay, that makes sense to me. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Look, if this was a whole saving the budget, saving time kind of thing, I can forgive them for that. But this scene is very long, right? It's not yeah. like it's two minutes. I don't mind um, exposition monologue for like two minutes. You know, mm. for example, in Fellowship of the Ring, actually that was longer than two minutes. But <laughs> but Fellowship of the Ring is a little bit of an exception, right? Because that mm. movie is like three hours long. Yeah. So there has to be portions mm. of the story that you have to sacrifice by having exposition monologue. But for something like Black Adam, the movie's pretty long, right? The movie's like, it's over two hours, isn't it? It's like 2.15, 2.20. I feel like it was two and a half hours. I think it's a testament to the movie that it really just flew by for me. Right. It was, just, it was an action pack from the, pretty much the it whole was. way through. It was. But yeah, this whole opening thing, it just it, it didn't have kind of finesse to it as well. It was yeah. very kind of rushed. It felt a it little... It felt very amateur. It felt very amateur. Yeah, it felt like I was watching a YouTube clip of someone explaining a comic book. You know what I mean? Exactly. It felt like a montage, like a music video clip at some point. Um, I was like, ugh, ugh. What I do appreciate, though, is the um, the visuals. I do appreciate the color palette that the director went with. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives me that 300 vibe. I felt like he was trying to be a little bit too Zack Snyder um, with the 300. With the slow-mo and everything? Yeah, the slow-mo, even the visuals looking like 300, especially in Kandak at that time. Mm. Um, that's a very popular color palette to go with, right? That kind of muted sepia tone yeah, um, color palette, which I can still appreciate. Stylistically, it looks great. But especially that shot where he kicks, he kicks one of the guys, one of the slaves. Mm-hmm. The king kicks one of the slaves. That's... Ripped That's off from of 300. 300. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the camera angle might have been a little bit lower, but yeah. it's still the same thing because he kicks him and he's kind of like shouting and it's slow-mo. I was like, wow. Yeah. Zack Snyder might be watching this going, wow, okay, cool. That is you. All right, whatever. Um, is there anything you want to say about this opening scene? Uh, no, let's just keep going. All right. In the present day, Kandak is oppressed by the intergang. Um, archaeologist Adriana Thomas tries to locate the crown of Sabak with the help of her brother Karim and colleagues Samir and Ishmael Grigor, who at this time we don't know is the actual villain. I kind of got a feeling that he was villain vibes. Yeah, um, same. Because as soon as like he kind of gives a fright to uh, Adriana, right, when he's behind her, mm-hmm. like she turns around to go look for her, to see if her brother's there, and then it's him. Yeah. First, first of all, I was like, "Who's this dude?" I didn't realize it was the same guy that was with yeah. him. I was like, "Who's yeah. this guy?" And then, then I had to think, "Oh yeah, he was the guy that was with him from the beginning." But then, just that shot and that reaction that he had, that she had to him, I was like, "Oh, this guy could be the villain." And then, sure enough, he is the villain. Mm. <laughs> As Adriana obtains the crown, they are ambushed by Intergang. Adriana reads an incantation that awakens who she believes to be Teth Adam 
from his slumber, who subsequently slaughters most of the intergang troops. Okay, so this is our first time that we see Black Adam as Black Adam. We did see him as obviously um um uh, he's like a father, right, to the mm-hmm. to his son who is supposedly the hero of the story. Uh, but we don't then. know that until the end. But yeah, we don't know that until the end. Mm-hmm. And um this is the first time he appears as the rock Dwayne <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. He appears out of the ground. I think it's pretty cool like how he appears, you know, with the lightning and everything. Mm-hmm. And then he's got that cloak on Kind of reminds me of Dark Side the way he appears, except yeah. without kneeling. Oh no, he does yield. Oh, sorry, not Dark Side. Um, uh, Steppenwolf when Steppenwolf yeah. appears in Zack Snyder's version. Yeah, um, the only version, in my opinion. <laughs> um, when he appears, he is kneeling and then he stands up. It kind of reminded me a little bit like that because it's in a cave. Except yeah. that Black Adam scene is much much darker, um, and he gets shot at and and all the bullets go flying at him. He starts levitating a bit. And this whole kind of God complex um, impression that we get of Black Adam as he's rising, I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, whoa, I really, I really do feel like this guy's godly. I really, he's, he's giving me that vibe that you don't want to mess this with this guy because he has out-of-this-world godly powers. And then it gets into this whole Dragon Ball Z sequence, <laughs> yeah. which was really cool. I, man, it was like I Man of Steel. It was like Man of Steel, you're right. Um, that was one of my favorite scenes in Man of Steel, actually, seeing the Dragon Ball Z effects. Yeah. Because um, that's that's what I've dreamt Superman to be, how Superman to be displayed on screen. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's ever been able to display his powers at full capacity until you get someone as talented like Zack Snyder come along and be like, I know the source material. I got this, Superman fans. Don't worry. I'm going to give you Superman, the powerful Superman that you all know. And then so we see Black Adam in this scene and he's just doing that whole kind of almost teleportation, but it's just super speed, flying super speed, and he's just a super badass. Man, and I just enjoy and I just ate up this whole scene because, you know, I'm I'm a nerd and I just love seeing superpowers being displayed that way. What did you think of the scene? The When he arrives? Yeah. Yeah, he just slaughters everyone <laughs> very satisfyingly brutal ways. Like mm-hmm. with the disintegration with the lightning, it was it was really cool. Um, makes you wonder, like Black Adam's moral compass. He obviously has no qualms with killing people. Mm-hmm. But sometimes he might make the decision too quickly and kill someone who doesn't need to be killed. Exactly, but it doesn't actually change. Mm. Um, it doesn't affect him at all. Like mm. whoever's going to get in his way, whether it's a crossfire, he's like whatever. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a hard character to actually play, I think. I think it's a hard character to bring to screen. And how do you, you know, how do you bring him to life while also um, giving us a sense of gravitas that is important for modern day films? And I want to get into the critique of the character a little bit later as we walk through it. But um, yeah, there's a lot of things I'm sort of thinking about that Black Adam could have done better, or let's mm-hmm. say The Rock could have done better as Black yeah. Adam. Um, but yeah, we'll get through Can we touch on one of those things now? Yeah, sure. Well, one thing is the accent, because everyone from Kandak has the has an accent, and he he's just American, The Rock. And there's another little thing where... Oh, really? I actually thought he was American the whole time. 
Well, it's, wasn't he American back in twenty six hundred? I guess so. Uh, BC, <laughs> yeah. BC, BC. Yeah. Um, but um, the one of the stipulations um, people bring up is he's basically playing himself in every movie. What do you think? I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. I I don't think I don't think he does that in this film. Um, you can tell it's The Rock. At the end of the day, it's still The Rock. There's still elements yeah. of The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, in yeah. the Black Adam character, but I think it's hard to separate any bit of yourself when you're playing a character in general. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I wouldn't criticize him for that per se because I actually think he'd done a good job at being Black Adam. Um, he's, he's When you think about The Rock, he's this big, smiley, optimistic, full of hope kind of guy. Like He's the kind yeah. of guy that, that he's the friendly giant that you always want to you know, yeah, have a deal true. with, right? Like, that's the impression that you get from The Rock in real life. Mm. You meet Black Adam, you don't want to have a deal with this dude. Mm, that's true. <laughs> maybe, maybe you want him to, like, catch airplanes and missiles for you, for sure. But I don't think you want to have a deal with this guy, for sure. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't invite him over for dinner. Yeah, that's true. Um, what I did find funny is, like, with most other superhero movies, they always show the... Um, the super version as CGI, but the rock is so big they had to show um, his non super version. I see. Yeah, he actually went through a really crazy workout re- routine. Really oh. crazy. He even talks about how he had to work really hard in the gym for this, which is funny. Like that, that seems yeah. so crazy thinking That's about the rock. That's part for the rock. course for him, though, right? That is part for the course for him. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it's more like an eagle for the course. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's he's a hardcore gym junkie. So for him to, to say that he had to work incredibly hard for this character is a testament to how much he cared about this character mm. because he really does. And you, you see it as in his performance. I mean, in my opinion, I think you really do see that passion and that energy that he brings to the character that he really cares about this. Yeah. This, uh, it's this definitely film. a passion project for him. Mm. Uh, public government official Amanda Waller learns of the incident and contacts Carter Hall, a.k.a. Hawkman, and the JSA, Justice Society of America. I'm glad they didn't say Justice Society of America. I mean, maybe I wouldn't have mi- minded that they say America. They just say Justice Society. Hmm. They don't say the whole JSA. That, I thought that well, was it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense if they said America and then leave their jurisdiction to go to conduct. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, true. It's it's a little bit meta at the same time, though. Yeah. In, if you say that, um, yeah, because if that's true, it's a little bit meta. It's almost like, well, they say the JSA in the film, but they don't explicitly say what JSA stands for. And then there is that scene between Hawkman and Adriana where they have that little bit of disagreement, that kind of intense headbutt, right? Where mm. she basically lays it out in plain sight. It's like, where have you been this whole time? Why do we need the JSA to come in and save the day? Which is true. Like, what the hell are they doing in Canada? (laughs) And then, you know, they, they, I'm glad that they address the reason, their reason for being there Mm. or not just for being there, but also maybe there's an implication as to why they weren't there before, but it was more about, well, we need to actually put this guy on the ground, which we learn later on, which is a, an exciting part of uh, Black Adam's character that I want to get into. Um, and then we have uh, Kent Nelson. I didn't even know his name was Kent Nelson, by the way. Mm. <laughs> uh, that is Mr. Dr. Fate. Maxine Hunkel, uh, a.k.a. Slyco? Psycho? Cyclone? 
and Albert L. Rothstein, a.k.a. Adam Smasher, to us assist in taking Adam into custody. The JSA arrives in time to stop Adam from doing further destruction to the city of Intergang's troops. The JSA explains that Adam was not a savior in his time, but instead a madman who was in prison rather than entombed. So actually, we'll just take a, a few steps back before we get to this this part of the story. Before that, we meet this little kid. I mean, actually straight after the flashback, it, we follow this teenager on a on a um, skateboard who's riding through this kind of war-torn, non-peaceful slash prison camp that they're now calling Kandak. Um, and they have this... We follow him and he sort of comes across like the the gates to get into a certain area of Kanda because everything's been closed off. Um, almost kind of like immigration border between the United States and Mexico or something like that, right? And this uh, this part, I immediately start to figure out where they're going with this. It's kind of like a subplot, right, to the film. And the subplot to the film is that th- there's this whole thing around colonization Mm. i don't know if you got that impression as well but there's this whole kind of subplot that's implying that colonization still exists well i mean it does exist well not colonization but you know there's there's imprisonment oppression and imprisonment that's happening from outside forces (laughs) outside forces who all happen to be white (laughs) i was like whoa i didn't expect black adam to kind of go in this direction and they look they don't they don't force feed this um, kind of agenda too hard mm-hmm. and until there are some sort of exchange exchanges and dialogue, especially Black Adam. I remember him saying this. He says to Ed, oh, he says to, who was it? Hawkman. He said, not your son, not your country, not your choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, something to that effect. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. They're, they're really kind of committing to this like anti- yeah. I didn't really agree with that whole um, decision at the end to like deem to doom the whole human race for his son. Yeah, that made no sense. I mean, that's kind of like four stakes, right? Where the stakes had no background or build up to it, and I think that's why the film has a very shallow um, story to it because Mm. there's things that they just kind of throw in, especially towards the end. um, They just kind of throw a lot of ideas on the table, and it's like, where did these ideas come from? Like, we don't actually know much about the character for her to have that kind of reason. Yeah. Apart from, you know, her caring a lot for her son. But, mm. I mean, that's about it. Um, yeah, anyway, so I thought that was interesting that they started to go in that direction with that that kid on the skateboard having that interaction with the soldier who just looked like a junkie from, like, down the road or whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah. Some kind of, like, desolate junkie who managed to land a job as a security guard. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, they're going with that story, and with the whole like Adriana like hiding underneath the seat, you know, it's very much symbolic of like immigrants trying to get in the border, yeah. yeah, cross a border or something like that. I thought I was like, wow, this is a bit of a surprise. Anyway, um, Ishmael is revealed to be the leader of Intergang and chases Adriana's Adriana's teenager, a teenage son, Amon, who has stolen the crown. Adam, Adam, Adriana, and the JSA intend to use the crown to trade for Amon. So, so this is kind of the crux of the film. The whole story is about bringing Black Adam back or let it be by accident, which is 
this is kind of one of the major issues I have with the story. Mm. Is that Black elaborate. Adam... What's it? Elaborate. Okay, so Black Adam... I could have misread this, but I'm, I'm quite confident I'm right. <laughs> Go on. Black Adam was really brought back by Adriana simply out of panic and fear, but not to bring him back so that he can save Kandak. Am I right about that? I have a feeling like she didn't know what would happen when she read out the words. She didn't know she'd actually be summoning him. But she, no, didn't she know that she was reading out the words to summon something like like him, if it's not Black Adam, but some some kind of power? I might need to rewatch it. Okay, but even besides from that, right? Besides from that, she just did it because she was panicking. She was about to die from the soldiers. Mm-hmm. So if if she hadn't panicked and died from the soldiers, Black Adam really wouldn't be in this film. Yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't be there. Do, do you get what I'm saying here? Like, yeah. it's it's like he, he, he becomes an accident to be in the film mm. as opposed to he's rightfully in the film. Mm. And I thought that throughout the movie and I was like, whoa, this is... This kind of changes everything about the story. <laughs> so, there's, there's no there's no actual weight of him and purpose being in this film, yeah. other than the fact that he accidentally stumbles into it. Yeah. And then, furthermore, he they find out the real story behind Teth Adam, which was he was never a savior. <laughs> he was never a guy that saved Kandak, mm. and he was actually a guy that did everything out of rage, um, out of anger torment and he wanted to just kill everybody and he killed the king even though the king was a bit of a tyrant but like he wasn't doing it for the people he wasn't doing it for the town (laughs) he was doing it for his son um so that doesn't help their situation when you set up the story for the hero to or the anti-hero to be this guy that accidentally falls into the film and you could almost Another way of looking at this is that all the other characters had a better reason almost to be in the film. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you get what I'm saying here? Like, yeah. a, I don't know if, am I misreading this whole right, thing? It, it was there as a convenience just out of nowhere. Yeah. It wasn't like, Hey, I'm going to summon black Adam to save the city. Like that would have been a rightful purpose to have in the film. Right. As opposed yeah. to, I'm going to accidentally see if this works <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, just to save us in the cave. Yeah, so I yeah. thought that was kind of disappointing. And the more I think about it, I'm like, oh, man, the story gets worse and worse. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the story is very just riddled with plot holes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are very gigantic plot holes. Um, they reach Ismail, uh, who reveals that he is the last descendant of King Arnot and, wanting his rightful place on the throne, demands the crown which Adriana willingly gives to save Amon's life. Ishmael portrays his part of the deal and shoots at Amon and Adam, trying to save Amon, lose control again, and destroys the hideout with his power, killing Ishmael. So I've actually just jumped all the way to the end for some reason. I don't know why. Um, But there's all these these other parts of the story that I want to get into as well. But let's talk a little bit about Ishmael first. I have a feeling it's going to be short for me, but um, I don't know about you. He was a very cooker, cookie cutter villain. He had no like depth to him at all. Very one dimensional, I think. Yeah, I was I wasn't a big fan of him and that monstrosity he became at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, there was an attempt 
to give him some backstory. Which, attempt. <laughs> attempt. I can give them credit for giving an attempt. You know, there's this flashback again. We go back to 2600 BC or whatever it is, and um, we see uh, images in uh, a little bit of a music video clip of his uh, ascend- ascendant? No, descendant? No, ancestor. Let's just say ancestor. Yes. Uh, the king, <laughs> yeah. um, who looks like a character from 300. And, you know, this whole exposition around like who he was and how i'm the the, i'm a part of that bloodline and blah 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 it was all kind of and we're just going to explain everything through dialogue right now and blah 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 blah. it was another piece of exposition that i didn't care about Mm -hmm. and um he wasn't really threatening i could tell that this guy ishmael um who who's played by what's his name madwan kenzari i could tell that he was really committed to the role you know, he was really on board with this villain, this this character arc, even though it wasn't really an arc. I don't think anybody has character arcs in this. <laughs> um, and I give him credit for just, you know, really trying and putting his heart and soul into it. You could see that. Um, but, yeah, he wasn't really that much of a threat, especially when he turns into the devil from Doritos, the Doritos advertisement. <laughs> I'm like, is this an ad for Doritos, the new spicy corn chip flavor? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just when he turns into that, I'm like, what is this? What did we just? <laughs> it just turned into a very CGI heavy, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Generic kind of villain at the end, the big bad guy. Yeah, I mean the big bad guy. Like he looked PlayStation villain characters. What am I trying to say? I definitely don't sound like a young person playing PlayStation, do I? Um, PlayStation villains. I'm explaining it like a boomer. <laughs> PlayStation villains. Jeez, what am I trying to say? I don't know. I'm just going to pick a random game. Um, Creed, right? Oh, Creed, no, Assassin's Creed. Um, like a villain in Assassin's Creed on PlayStation looks way better than this character that we see at the end. Mm. Like, what is going on there? Yeah, and I usually don't like it. Um, like Tony was mentioning in one of our other episodes. Um, it's better to have for the villains to have some kind of redemptive quality or like reasoning behind their what they're trying to do, rather than just yeah. pure evil because that just gets very bland. He had no redemptive quality at all. I yeah. mean, you could probably say you could probably infer a redemptive quality, perhaps. You know, maybe he wants to redeem Kandak again, but that was never really explored. Mm-hmm. He was just a guy that was after power, right? He was after power to be the king again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really about it. He didn't really talk about his power of becoming a king. He just wanted to be king. <laughs> we have this villain, right? He fights Black Adam, and all he wants to do is just become king. That's it. Is that it? Yeah. Are you in? <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I'm, I'd imagine that's how the conversation went. Mm. Um, anyway, guilt ridden Adam flees. He reveals to Hawkman that he is not Kandak's ancient champion, Teth Adam, but in fact the champion's father. Knowing that Adam's son, Hurut, was invincible, the king's assassins elected to execute Hurut's family instead to avenge their king, including Adam and Hurut's mother, and that Hurut had given his power to his father to save him, turning him into Black Adam, only for Arnott's assassins to kill the now-mortal Hurut. All right, so this, this part where he becomes Black Adam, I love... This is actually what I love about the character. I love the fact that he's Black Adam 
has turned into a curse for him. Yeah. You know, he didn't really, we all thought that he was um, um, given the powers by the gods, yeah. um, the same kind of Shazam powers, right? Like we're sort of led to mm-hmm. believe that he was going to be the next Shazam, but then yeah. he turns evil on those powers. However, that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. He was actually cursed, right? Did, am I understanding that right? He was cursed by the gods or something? And no, then I, he, I don't think that's what happens. Oh, I think so. Basically, if we're spoiling it, so his son got the powers, and then he got mortally wounded. And to save him, his son gave him the powers to heal. Gave him the powers. Yeah. Right. Okay. Why did I think he got cursed by them? Because I like, think, you know, he, I think he, he just sees it as a curse because maybe because he's immortal and he can't die or something. Okay. Because he has this whole moment right where he gets the powers from his son, yeah. and then he like levitates into the sky. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and then he's getting the armor put on him. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. And I that, think he sees it as a curse because it got born from the death of his son. I okay. think he always that sees it connected to the death of his son. Yeah. Right. I actually didn't even know that Shazam type people could pass on the powers to other people. I thought it had to be given by the gods. <laughs> yeah. Well, Shazam did it in his movie, right? Oh, yeah. He did it to, the, to his With friends. The kids. Ah, that is right. The family, Shazam family. Mm. But he kept his powers. He just kind of gave them as well. So does that mean his son had his powers too? Mm. Yeah, that's that's what I don't understand is that like in Shazam, he gives his powers to his friends and his friends become superheroes. Yeah, but but he doesn't lose them. Yeah, he doesn't lose them. But yeah, in this one, they lose it when they give it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's different rules. Yeah. It's a new leadership now as well at, yeah. at Warner Brothers, so maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, I, I thought this this whole kind of story between him and his son is actually kind of quite cool. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the better parts of the film, and like for me at least, and yeah, not as shallow maybe as the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Enraged, Adam slaughtered all of the king's men, uh, bringing destruction to the city before being summoned by the wizards of Shazam, who imprisoned him after deeming him unworthy. So this is this is actually kind of cool. I love how we see oh, what's his name, um, Digimon Hu- Hussein Hussein Digimon. Oh yeah, Digimon uh, Hunsu. Yeah, Hunsu. I don't know to say his name either. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really cool that he comes back. We see him yeah. at the beginning of the film where it's it's seemingly he gives the powers to Black Adam, but he doesn't, actually. It was given to him by his son. And then the real story is that they actually bury him in the ground to keep him in prison. I thought that was re- really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think that wig is horrible on Digimon. <laughs> that wig is so bad. <laughs> uh, there was a missed opportunity there when you said his name. I should have said who? <laughs> Oh, that's that's so good. I love yeah. that. That is so good. Yeah. Only MC for the listener, only MCU nerds wouldn't understand that reference. That is so good. That is so good. I'm, I mean, I'm glad that he's in both franchises, yeah. right? I mean, in both companies, DC. Yeah, he's and, in uh, both. Yeah. yeah, but is he dead? Oh, I actually can't remember. Is he dead in the MCU? I yeah, can't he's, is he? Oh. Uh, well, there's a bunch of characters that we don't know who got dusted as well, right? Oh, so yeah, sure. it could be. One of those. But even uh, if he got dusted, they got brought back, right? Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right, so feeling incapable of becoming Conduct's champion, Adam surrenders to the JSA, who take him who, ta- who take him to Waller's underwater prison. 
aka the backyard of Aquaman. You know, when the, the spaceship was flying in to, mm-hmm. it's pretty much the same location as where Batman finds Arthur Curry, right? It's a, I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's snowy, it's water anyway. Uh, as soon as that was happening without taking Black Adam, I, I whispered to my friend Michelle next to me, I was like, all right, so the next part of induction training for the JSA is we're going to meet Arthur Curry <laughs> yeah. in, his, in his palace underwater. I was like, where are they going? Where are they actually going? And then the cool dive into the underwater stuff and then getting into Amanda Wallace's uh, secret headquarters. That was pretty cool. I like that. Hmm. But the thing that doesn't make any sense to me is the fact that Adam just gives up his power and says Shazam. I get that yeah. he's thinking about, yeah, you know, like the, yeah, he's thinking about the history, blah, blah, blah. They have this whole dialogue between him and Hawkman and, and everything's kind of like flurry and sentimental and blah, blah, blah. He's getting all these memories from why he did it and what happened to his son. But then to, for him to just turn around and go, I'm going to give up my power and you should never let me change it. him. Story. Yeah. The plot <laughs> needed him to do that so that the bad guy had no opposition. It's it's so weak. It is yeah. so weak. As soon as he did that, I was like, okay, well, that's, that's that. And yep. that is a very shallow character. Yeah. Anyway... So we make it to Amanda Waller's um, Hobbiton. And um, soon after, fate sees an ominous um, premonition of one of the JSA's impending deaths. So again, another convenient uh, plot device to put in there. You have someone like Dr. Fate. Obviously, he has to be somebody that sees the vision, and we're going to use his abilities to see the future to allow Adam to come back and say, <laughs> Shazam to get his powers back as Black Adam. It's such a contrived story telling. Yeah. It's like super, super contrived. It's like you know that Black Adam's coming back. Yeah. The question was like when is he gonna come back? Okay, I know exactly when he's gonna come back. The bad guy's gonna get the crown. You know, he's gonna have some kind of shitty way of negotiating and he's not really gonna negotiate because he's classic, you know, um finger and like pinky in the mouth type eagle guy because mm-hmm. he doesn't he's not gonna follow through on what he promises by giving the son back and he's eventually just going to take the crown and kill the son, blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's all for good reason to bring black Adam back. Mm. It's, it's super contrived and kind of boring. <laughs> and I was like, all right, enough of the shitty storytelling. Just bring, give me some more action, <laughs> which is pretty much what they do. Um, just after this part. So as the group returns to the city, they realize Ishmael intentionally made Adam kill him while he was wearing the crown of Sabak so that he could be reborn as the host of the demon Sabak himself. And he rises from the underworld to claim his throne on the Doritos chair. Doritos, hot and spicy chips. Rawr. The JSA arrives in time to try to stop Sabak, who summons the undead to conduct. The JSA prepares to face Sabak in Arnold's ruins, but fate creates a magical force field that forbids Hawkman, Cyclone, and Adam Schmasser for entering and reveals that Hawkman's death can be avoided with his own sacrifice. Um, so this whole final act, right? Let's talk about the final act, mm-hmm. and then we can sort of wrap up a little bit and get to the most important part of the movie, which is the mid credit scene. Um, this whole final act, it's kind of what I expected, right? Big showdown, lots of superheroes, lots of Dragon Ball Z fighting in the air, great visual effects. That's what I would actually 
give them a lot of credit for is the visual effects on this is very impressive. Yeah. Like the flying and stuff. I'd actually say the flying that Black Adam does, it looks better than Man of Steel. Well, they've had, what, nine years to work on the tech? True. (laughs) (laughs) But the flying visual effects have really improved, man. I'm Mm. super impressed. Like, even just when he's levitating, Mm. you know, all that stuff looks awesome. And I think the wire work, obviously, it's like better technology with the wire work. You know, it doesn't look like he's on wires, which is awesome. Yeah. Looks like he's just kind of freely, you know, um, commanding his flight skills, which is really awesome. Yeah. Um, your cat seems to agree with me. <laughs> um, and then Dr. Fate's story. Look, I really love Pierce Brosnan and as Do- yeah. Dr. Fate. And I think he's awesome. He's, he's kind of the, he's the perfect guy to, to play this role. However, I hated the fact they killed him in this movie. What a waste of Wait, a sorry? Oh, that he was killed? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also i am a bit conflicted about about his helmet, you know, without okay. having the eye, the glowing eyes, how he's supposed to have. Oh, okay. I don't know anything about that. Tell me. Yeah. It's Well, Dr. Fate's supposed to have the big glowing eyes in the helmet. Mm. And, uh, they did show up once at, towards the very end just briefly. When I think okay. Hawkman was holding it as like a homage, maybe. Oh but, right. Um, yeah, it would have been cool to see the proper eyes. Oh, that's cool. I actually really like the fact that he didn't have any eyes or anything. I love the fact that it was just. A metal I guess cover. it makes sense as well because, like, he doesn't need eyes to see. Yeah, and he always closes his eyes when he's meditating the yeah. future. It's pretty cool. I mean, it was awesome to see Pierce Brosnan. I I hate the fact that he's not going to be a superhero again. Mm. Like this is like a one hit wonder. Um, unless, I don't know, he Dr. Fate comes back somehow or whatever. But such a cool character. Man, like the, the first thing that he does in the city yeah. uh, where Hawkman says, um, distract, distract him, distract him. And then he does this like big arm sweeping motion yeah. across the whole city and then changes the environment. I'm like, yeah, whoa, yeah, this, is, this is so cool. This is yeah. so cool. And then like he's... And then The Rock Hawkman. or Black, Black Black Adam sees like a bird. He's like, where am I? And he sees this bird coming towards yeah. him. And it's Hawkman. Oh, yeah. that's, that is awesome, awesome that directing. Great. It was really, really cool. Yeah. I, I love and enjoy all those kind of moments in, in the film. Like all the action sequences are, are brilliant, great visual effects. Mm. Um, yeah, but, but with all the attempts to tell some kind of depth and story, they were all kind of bad. Mm. <laughs> they were all yeah, all those story tropes were pretty bad. Um, what did you think of this whole showdown between Black Adam and uh, uh, Doritos mascot? It it was it kind of felt like there were no real stakes because they were just you know an unstoppable force and an immovable object. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both just equally as powerful, just smashing each other. Yep. Um, which is kind of like what Zod and uh, Superman did in Man of Steel, mm-hmm. and I know that's why some people didn't like it either, but. It's got that spectacle. The spectacle effect made more um, impact in Man of Steel than it did in this. Oh, episode. way more. Yeah. Way more. I, I feel like the the director probably was pushing his limits, perhaps, here, yeah, his creative limits on what he could do with two powerful superheroes or one, and they're not superheroes, but two powerful beings. Mm. I think he was um, trying you know, trying to direct how this fight sequence would happen. Um, so he clearly won't be asked to come back for a Batman versus, uh, sorry, a Superman versus Black Adam <laughs> movie. Oh, I don't know. Maybe if he does, then good luck to him. I probably won't see it. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's such a, it's such a strange um, final battle sequence. Like it's kind of the worst battle sequence in the movie for me. 
like all the other battle sequences were so much better and the one between him and Doritos Devil was just there. It's kind of like, man. You know what it reminded me a lot of? It reminded me of um, Wonder Woman and Ares, kind of, at the end of the Oh, movie. yeah. That that fight was I didn't bad. I like that either. I think I like that better than this one. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, because, I don't know, at least, like, Wonder Woman was getting beaten around a lot, you know? Like, she was yeah, kind of getting right. it handed to her. She was, like, really out of her out of her league there. But um, she manages to obviously um, get on top. But yeah, this this whole last fight sequence was kind of meh. And then we we cut back to everything being normal, and there's kind of a quick transition, almost like a music video transition to the ending of the film. It's like we finished the big battle, the CGI battle sequence. We all come back to this place. We have we exchange pleasantries, you know, saying ah, oh, you know, you're not too bad, blah blah blah. Adam Smasher does his little piece of like oh. Do you think we could hang out? And then the rock says, uh, don't push it, don't push it, which is, and, and that line where he, where he responds by saying, don't push it. I feel like that's more of a rock thing to do as opposed yeah. to black Adam. Yeah. And I get they sort of breadcrumb black Adam learning about sarcasm and a little bit of comedy, which is cool. But mm-hmm. I really felt that that line, that last line that he says to Adam Samasha was very much a rock thing. Not, not all of them, his jokes landed like um, this. He did the sarcasm with Dr. Fate and mm. then, that, the, the sarcasm bit was good, and then he mm. asked if it was sarcasm, and then he said very much so, and that that line didn't land for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah they they should have just stopped at the sarcasm. Yeah, they right? should have stopped. You, yeah. you don't need to explain a joke in order for the joke to be effective. Yeah, you just need to say the joke. Yeah, amateurs, jeez, we should have been writers on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I know I know you're sort of stretched for time, but what are your sort of um, oh no, no, we need to we need to talk about the mid credit scene. Oh yeah, let's do it. All right, so in the mid credit scene, a message from Waller warns a defiant Adam never to leave the country, and she says something to the effect. Oh no, Black Adam says something to the effect of, um, "There is no one on this planet that can stop me." And then Waller says, "Well, I actually have a friend that is not from this planet, and he will mess you up. So don't." test me and then he kills the drone whatever that holographic i thought that holographic tone was kind of a drone was kind of lame by the way <laughs> it was like so cheap i was like oh this looks horrible and um he smashes it and then there's smoke everywhere from from the drone being smashed and then you see a silhouette of superman's cape come through the smoke lands and then does the theme kick in first or do we see superman first i think the theme kicks in first right i think so I can't remember. I can't actually remember hearing the theme properly. Yeah. I actually had to like. I, I found out through a YouTube clip that the theme, the the John Williams score, was playing. I was like, "What?" I, I think I was just too excited to see him. Yeah, Campbell. yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, man. I had tears of joy when he came on the screen. Uh, <laughs> damn. I was so happy. I never had tears of joy. I don't know why. I'm. I think I'm. I'm getting stale in my old age of like superhero films and Maybe. and things being contrived and misplaced and whatever. Anyway, awesome, awesome to see Superman. Do you remember the line that he delivers? Um, said I something think, along the lines of the, the world hasn't seen a threat like this or something in a long uh, time. In a long time. That, yeah. Me and my friend, which I watched this, we were kind of debating, was he talking about Black Adam being the threat or was he talking about another threat with no, Black Adam? You know what it was? Regardless of, let's, regardless of what he was talking about, it was a pretty meta statement at the same time as well, right? 
it was a pretty meta statement because, you know, we've been waiting and anticipating for him to come back. So I think that was a bit of a meta commentary on the fact that he's now finally back and nobody was anticipating it, even though knows like us knew about it. (laughs) Yeah. So that was pretty cool. It was awesome to see him with the, actually, I don't know about the whole, you know, Christopher Reeve curl. I don't know about that. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. I I love the Superman that, that Zack Snyder done. I love the fact that they've kept the texture of the costume, but they've brightened up the colors. They've increased the hue and saturation. I don't mind the kill because, like, see, Superman's always yeah. kind of had the kill. It's true. It's true. But, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm on board with the whole curl thing. Like, I'm, I'm fine for the character to have everything to be emblemic of the character itself. But, you know, if you want to change the hair, change the hair. Whatever. I, the curl, a little, little cheesy. Also, like, the, the hue and saturation on the on the the whole suit it's bright mm-hmm. it's brighter now it's more yeah. colorful it's vibrant mm. i'm also look i'm okay with it but i'm also like uh i still prefer the zack snyder version <laughs> well i did like his zack snyder suit yeah like yeah. you know the, the dull colors not not dull but you know the the muted colors i think yeah. is a good direction for modern day superman yeah but you know what if they want to go with it i'm totally fine with it as well and that is the end of black adam and the greatest thing about Black Adam was Superman. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> what do you give this movie out of 10? I'd give it a 7.5. That was actually more positive than what I thought you'd be giving it. <laughs> Bet- between 7 and 7.5, I just bumped it up a little bit. Mm, okay. Well, I'm actually going to give it a lower score than you. What are you going to give it? I'm giving it a 6. Okay. Mm. I don't, I don't think it's a 7. Um, I don't think it's 5, but I definitely think it's a 6. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. However, you know, I'll, revi- that, I'll revise mine to 7, actually, if you're going to be 6. Mm, it's just, it's, you know, story is everything when it comes to films. Yeah. And you need to have st- like strong stories. The only thing that carries this film is The Rock. He carries this film. And the action. Um, the action carries the film. Like, the action Actually, does I like the, heavy the JSA lifting. as well, sorry. Yeah. The JSA is cool. All that kind of stuff, they all do the heavy lifting. But the mm. thing that should be doing the heavy lifting for the most the part story. is the story. Yeah. And then next to that is the characters with great character arcs and mm. some kind of redemptive quality. You you finish off with a cathartic feeling by the end of the film. Here it's kind of like, all right, cool, that roller coaster was awesome. Great. <laughs> I did I did like the chemistry between um Adam Smash and Cyclone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, their chemistry was pretty cool. I mean, they were kids, right? They're like teenagers at school, just talking about... It was natural. It was very natural, like teenage things. But you know what? Those characters didn't need to be in this movie. (laughs) They had had no reason to be in this movie. If they weren't in it, the the story, how shallow it might be, wouldn't change. Yeah. (laughs) They had no impact on the story whatsoever. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Anyway, any last words? (laughs) No, I think um, I think we've covered everything. All right. Well, that's it, folks, listeners. That is Black Adam. Look, if if you're looking for a good time, if you're looking to have fun at the at the movies, I was going to say at the flicks. Jeez, yeah. why am I sounding so boomer right now? <laughs> if you want to, if you want a movie where you can turn your brain off and just have fun, then this is the one. 
this is the one. If you want a popcorn Friday flick, then this is the one to go see because the visual effects are awesome. The Dragon Ball Z fighting is really, really awesome. They've done really well. Hats off to the visual effects teams that worked on this film. Good on them for doing it. Great to see that the DC universe has been somewhat revived or this is like the reset button for DC mm. films. We've got brand new leadership that's jumping in. I don't know if you heard, but Walter Hamada has been stepped down from prison of DC films. That was two days ago. Um, so there's a whole new direction and I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm really excited to see Henry Cavill again. Man of Steel sequel. Yes. Oh my God. I, oh, I, can't, I can't wait. I just, I'm just nervous on who's going to be directing this. Yeah. I'm nervous. I want I honestly want Zack Snyder to come back. I would like him to come back. Yeah. But that seems like that seems it's like it's n- <laughs> it's a way too tall to, I mean Zack Snyder's in their bad books, dude. He's like you know, he's in the detention room and he's never coming out. <laughs> it's a shame because the way he left was so bad. Like you you know why he left right because Oh yeah, daughter, his right? daughter committing suicide yeah. and yeah. Uh, and then oh. like he comes back to this shit box of Justice League that yeah, was original project. Movie. He yeah. butchered his movie. Oh, can you imagine what he's going through? Yeah, so bad. Similar to my past life as well, you know? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I used to be a great director once upon a time, and I just gave up my, my career. <laughs> Let's now, do it again this life. Now I, now I do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Abi, awesome to have you on the show. Thank you for Thanks. coming back again. Great to be here. Um, and um, we'll have all our social media handles in the show notes and if you want to follow Arby you'll find his information on the show notes too Um, and we will see you guys in the next episode of the Jekyll Podcast bye everyone